Strip City, Portland, Blazers Nation. This is Jack Winter, your Portland Trailblazers beat writer for Clutch Points, and you are listening to Talking Trailblazers as my dog growls in the background. It's great to be back on the show here this week. Uh, We're going to discuss Damian Lillard's massive two-year contract extension that will keep him in Portland through the 2026-27 season, and then we're going to dive into the Blazers' Summer League Championship, which of course did not feature Shaden Sharp after he had a shoulder issue within the first few minutes of his NBA debut. He has been shelved with an injury for the next few weeks. That's unfortunate, but there was still plenty to like from the Blazers' time in Las Vegas, most notably the play of Jabari Walker. Uh, So we will definitely dive headfirst into Walker and what makes him such an intriguing prospect, an awesome pick for the Blazers at number 57 in the 2022 NBA draft. And then we'll just dive into some more stuff as well, Uh, some more league happenings and uh, really contextualize how the Blazers fit into the 2022-2023 season in the NBA now that rosters across the league are really taking shape. And of course, to do all that, we are going to bring in Justice Rogers right after the break. Thanks for listening to Talking Trailblazers. We'll be right back. All right, we are back with Talking Trailblazer. This is Jack Winter. Justice Rogers is on the line. Justice, how are we doing, my friend? I'm doing great. How are you doing, my friend, Jack? As we just discussed, a little hot in the house here without air conditioning for audio reasons. Had to turn off, turn off the, the space air conditioners we got going in the house here. But hey, I'm uh, like I said, I'll just work up a nice lather while we're talking uh, Damian Lillard's extension and summer league basketball here. No problem. No problem. Yeah, yeah. Just burn some calories. That's it. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, Let's get right into it then. The uh, first thing we want to discuss this week is Damian Lillard's massive extension with the Trailblazers. This is something we've uh, been mentioning, you know, for what seems like the last few weeks. I believe there was initial reporting on the possibility of Dame signing this extension even back in December before he was shut down. So I actually think it's uh, fair to surmise that there was a handshake agreement or a wink-wink, nod-nod, if you will, between Dame and the Blazers front office once Neil Shea was ousted that he would indeed sign this extension. And just uh, just for... Just for uh, details here, I just want to give it to you. It's two years, $121.7 million. My God, that keeps Dame in Portland through 2026-27. He actually has a player option that season for a whopping $63.2 million when he'll be 36 years old. And that number is jarring. And I keep saying, like, my God, it's such a such a big number because it is. But it does bear mentioning that uh, this number is tied to whatever the salary cap is going to be in 2025-26. Initial prognostications were that Dame's uh, extension would come in around two years, $107 million. But we got some new projections for the cap. And then Dave's agent is just making this deal seem as favorable as possible to him. So despite the fact that that number is very, very large, it's no bigger than 35% of the salary cap that he would get um, in any other year when his new contract starts. So just in general, Justice, how do you feel about this uh, this development really? Again, that we've, been, that we've been seeing coming for a few months. Absolutely. And two things stand out in the very, in the very beginning here. One, uh, I believe we ended last episode by swearing and maybe a little threat, nice, kind threat uh, to uh, the Blazers uh, front office uh, to say that, hey, listen, do the right thing. You got to do right by day because uh, it seems like he was at his wit's end or maybe he was just, you know, playing a little cat and mouse game there. But uh, there was some definitely some cryptic social media posts and things that Dame shared. And of course, this is around the time of the rumors that 
uh, you know, communication wasn't being the best between mm -hmm. him and uh, ownership. Um, so we did kind of make that. We made that. We put everybody on notice that, hey, Dame needs to be taken care of. If not, you may lose the, you know, possibly greatest Blazer of all time, maybe. Mm -hmm. um, a future Hall of Famer for sure. And then number two, uh, I don't think anybody is surprised by this. I mean, we knew that if and when the Blazers did do something, uh, it was going to be large. Uh, it was going to be uh, on a grand scale, and they were going to have to pay Dame for, for what he's worth. And I think uh, for all of us who, who cover the, uh, the Portland Trail Blazers team and organization, uh, once they sent that email out saying that there would be a, you know, kind of a random press conference in <laughs> Vegas at Summer League, uh, that kind of <laughs> made things a little more concrete. Like, okay, something's going on. Uh, Dane's going to be at the presser, Chauncey Billups, and, and Cronin. So uh, that kind of pointed towards uh, something going down, and it definitely went down. You didn't think it was an announcement about your guy C.J. Ellaby not being on the Summer League team? No, I didn't think that they would make that much of a fuss about my guy C.J., uh, but I knew as soon as that email went out, okay, Dane's in Vegas, Chauncey Billups is obviously going to be in Vegas as well. Uh, what are the Blazers doing? And we saw what they did. Yeah, um, you know, as, as you said, this is a formality. The one gripe I have with it is I'm just not sure what the rush was to do this. Um, again, unless there was that handshake, handshake, wink, wink, nod, nod agreement back in January when Dame was shut down um, to get that surgery on his midsection and the Blazers were going to, you know, were going to tank. I assume that was all discussed with Dame weeks in advance before it started really happening. Um, I would imagine this was agreed to then, in which case, you know, I totally get why the Blazers had to lock up Dame now. But he also would have been, would have been available to sign this, this extension Anytime, like literally any time over the next couple of years, he could have signed this extension. And just from the Blazers perspective, it would probably be a little smarter if they had waited just because we still have no idea what Dame is going to look like coming back from this injury. Um, and the Damian Lillard we saw last season, obviously very limited, nowhere near the player he was, you know, the three or four years prior when he was a, if he wasn't, if he didn't earn first team all NBA, he played like a first team all NBA player, like a top seven, eight, nine player in the world. I'm, I'm optimistic that that player is going to come back and Damian Lillard is too. He says he's never been so healthy and that, you know, I've mentioned this on the show several times that he didn't even really know how uncomfortable he was until he got the surgery just because he'd been dealing with that discomfort in his midsection for so long. But look, Damian Lillard is 32, um, already firmly on the downside of his prime. And, you know, Damian Lillard's obviously an incredible shooter, plays with great pace, uh, great poise, really understands the game. Uh, his pick and roll decision making has gotten better and better and better as his career has gone on. But it's not like he's Steph Curry. He's not the purest shooter of all time. He indeed relies on burst, relies on athleticism, relies on changes of pace um, to be effective, to be as effective as he needs to be in terms of not just, you know, really manipulating defenses from the, from beyond the arc, whether he's making shots or not, but also turning the corner and getting the, getting to the paint and scrambling defenses that way and finding shooters. It's that Damian Lillard that makes the Blazers, that makes the Blazers, you know, potentially a top five offense and then makes Damian Lillard potentially a top 10 player. And we are just not for sure that that guy is going to come back. So for me, I would have preferred to wait, you know, even until December, say like, you know, just for, just for a couple Two and a half months, we could see Damian Lillard play at that level again before giving him this extension. But I understand why the Blazers did it. I again, it's just if I just have a little hesitance about this, that's what it is. I just would have preferred the Blazers to wait a little bit. Yeah, no, I definitely uh, I see your point on that, and I think you as as well as I saw a lot of the same sentiment on social media with a lot of uh, basketball and even specifically Blazer fans. 
um, being happy for Dame, but also knowing that this could mean that uh, he may end his career uh, in Portland without an NBA Finals appearance or even, you know, an NBA. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I hear you in the background, and I'm like, you know what? Yeah, it does. That does sound harsh, but at the end of the day, I mean, we, we've kind of had this conversation previously. That is it. You know, it's a little. It's, it feels like a little bit of too much, too late. I mean, we're we're happy that we do have. Uh, Grant now, of course, and all these rookies that we'll get to talk about uh, later on uh, that that played a great uh, summer league in Vegas. But it's almost like, you know, this is, in my opinion, the last hurrah uh, for Dame. I mean, uh, even talking to my my, my father, who, who who's up in age and and uh, still pays attention to the league. He's like, hey, you know, Dame is getting paid and, you know, he's getting paid for his loyalty uh, because we know mm-hmm. he's a great player. Um, but he he's had opportunities to leave, and a lot of fans have thought he should leave because of how uh, disheveled the front office was for so many years. And, you know, he's decided to stick around. So, I mean, mm-hmm. for me, I, I always hope the best for Dame. He seems to be a great guy. I've always had good conversations with him, and he's, you know, very active in the Portland community and just in the state of Oregon. And, um, yeah, I just think this is one of those things where why not do it, you know, if it's available for him. I mean, Who's going to turn down that type of money? Oh no, um, and, and no one should. To be clear, Dame absolutely needed to accept this, and I'm I'm glad for him. It's you know no, no matter no matter what he does uh, from here, he's earned this contract based on what he's done the prior ten years here in Rip City. Absolutely, and uh, in the words of my father, uh, with that type of money, he can buy a ring if he wants one. <laughs> I would love, and you know, as we get in kind of into this conversation, I would love to see uh, you know Dame be able to retire as you know at least a one time. Uh, you know, NBA champion. Um, but of course, if he's staying in Portland, you know, they're kind of in a somewhat of a rebuilding process, I, I guess, right now. Yeah, retooling process, right? Like they want to, you know, Blazers obviously want to make the playoffs again. And, you know, they've talked a lot of, we've, we've me specifically, I've talked a lot about these two timelines of bringing in Jeremy Grant so the Blazers can hopefully make the playoffs again next season after missing it for the first time in eight years last season, but also building a separate timeline around Shaden Sharp and Anthony Simons and young guys like that. So the Blazers are kind of building those separate paths, which again is something I didn't think was possible after they lost that new, that extra lottery pick, but you know, Joe Cronin was able to do it because he uh, swung that trade for Jeremy Grant, which was an absolute home run. But I like what you talked about, uh, about how this basically cinches that Dame is probably not going to win a title or even uh, get to the finals when he's a Blazer. And there was a, there was a, uh, an illuminating quote from, um, from his press conference after he signed this extension that really got a lot of hoopla. And I think really people liked it, uh, frankly. And I really think it speaks to the type of persona that Damian Lillard has become that people really, really gravitate toward. They really respect the type of player and leader he is. And here's just a little excerpt of it. Dame said, I don't think that you earn something like this just by going out there and scoring a bunch of points. Something that's missing in our league is character and the fight and the passion and the pride about, you know, not just the name on the back, but the name on the front and how you impact the people that you come in contact with. Justice, I didn't tell you that I wanted to discuss this before we came on, but what do you think of, it? What do you think of that quote just in general? I think from his perspective and from what we've known Dame to be and to do in his career, that's a great quote um, mm-hmm. because he has been loyal to the Blazers. Uh, he reminds me of even um, the late great Kobe Bryant, who, you know, uh, seemed to be very uh, loyal to the Lakers and wanting to, you know, ride it out even in the tough times and in those tough seasons. Um, and we've seen Dame do that. Uh, the Like you said, the Blazers are in a retooling process right now, but I think outside of Dame, it 
the perspective that I see and it even seems like some fans might have is that, yeah, that's that's easy to say when you're getting paid, you know, Dame money. When you're getting paid literally Dame dollars, that's a, that's a very easy statement to say. Now, when you're the sixth man or maybe even the last man on the bench, you know, we've seen teams that, you know, they'll trade you in the middle of the season, no notice, no heads up. Mm-hmm. And I look at those scenarios and say, okay, well, where's the loyalty from the ownership and, and the front office there? Um, but I do think for Dame, this quote applies, is relevant, but it doesn't apply to everyone else who's been traded or been released uh, without a heads up or they haven't felt that exact same loyalty from their team's uh, front offices, if that makes sense. It does make sense. And, and like you said, I really do believe that Dame really is all about the team, the culture, helping young players be their best, become the best version of themselves as basketball players and as human beings. But you don't have to doom yourself to one franchise your entire career to live those ideals and make those differences. And, you know, as Dame is signing this two year, $122 million extension, turning his existing contract, I think, into 200 and around $230 million total. Uh, wow. guaranteed. And that's just, just his existing contract, not what he's, not, not what he's earned previously. It just seemed a little self-serving um, of him to come back to that, especially because like you mentioned Kobe Bryant and how he was always loyal to the Lakers, mm-hmm. but justice, you're a Lakers fan. Obviously. I am. Grew up, grew <laughs> of up course. In but do, yes. do you remember when Kobe Bryant requested a trade from the Lakers before the I do. Was all in 2007? So, I do it. <laughs> Right, so like, so did Kobe Bryant not have basketball character because he requested a trade from the Lakers? Like when Kevin Garnett requested a trade from the Timberwolves, did he not impact the people he came into contact with because he forced because his, he forced his way to the Celtics? Right. Um, you know, and Dame didn't name names. Um, of course. Like you know, he didn't call anyone out. He was just, he was just talking about what he believes. And again, I do believe that, I do believe that he believes in his, in these ideals and that these are the principles he lives by. And anyone who's come into contact with Dame would say the same. For me, yeah. it just gets a little tired when Dame just keeps coming back to this. And again, he didn't name anyone, but he is kind of implicitly throwing throwing other superstar players under the bus. Um, you know, again, as he's signing a $122 million extension, basically cinching the fact that he's not going to win a title in Portland. And like, and, that, and that's another mm-hmm. thing is you could say the best team first thing to do if Dame was really about helping uh, helping his teammates realize their dreams of winning a title would be taking a pay cut and and realizing that you know Damian Lillard probably can't be the best player on a title team because how many how many title teams in NBA history has their best player been a point guard? Uh, I believe mm-hmm. I believe you can count the number of them on one hand, less than definitely. Yes. Um, and, and and as I said, Dame Dame should have taken this contract. I I never take any umbrage uh, with a player maximizing his earnings at all. I'm just kind of playing devil's advocate here, just because there's more than one way to impact your teammates, to impact player to. Pe- people and players in the organization. And it doesn't just have to be absolute loyalty and fealty, uh, you know, to a franchise like the Blazers who are owned by a billionaire. Um, it doesn't have to be absolute loyalty and fealty to the fans of Portland. Damian Lillard can still really value fans of Portland, even if he requested a trade. So I don't know, this is more of a personal thing. I didn't see much, uh, you know, for me, I didn't see much uh, criticism um, from mm-hmm. about this quote. Um, right. From the NBA world at large, for for me, I more just saw people just you know lavishing Dame, saying what a great leader Dame is, and how the NBA needs to get back to having leaders like Damian Lillard. 
Um, you can probably hear this right. in my voice there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I definitely heard it. And, you know, I'm with you. Uh, like I said, a lot of the sentiment that I saw on social media were, were people saying, um, you know, I'm not mad at Dane. And yeah. I, I don't think any of us are. I mean, that's a yeah. lot of money. We know that for generations, his children, his grandchildren, uh, that money's going to go a long way. Um, and he seems to be, you know, a very community oriented guy. So yep. we know he's going to do great things uh, with that money in the bank. But uh, it's just one of those situations where, you know, if you're watching NBA on TNT and, you know, Shaq, you know, will dig at Chuck saying that, you know, Chuck doesn't have any rings and, you know, Shaq has all the rings. So it's one of those things where kind of like, you know, what do you value more? Um, and mm -hmm. not to say that, you know, Dame is greedy or money hungry or anything like that. But, you know, in this situation, he. You know, he knew his options. He knows what the team looks like. He, I'm sure he has an idea of uh, how many years he thinks he has left in the tank. And, you know, he decided to go with the money on this one. And, then, and I'm not mad at him, but nope. kind of like you, yeah, the statements, you know, are kind of unnecessary because you can be a leader. Exactly. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with bouncing around. There's nothing around with, uh, you, know, you know, no pun intended, blazing your own trail, you know. Yep. Uh, we saw when KD originally went to Golden State that a lot of people were like, oh, look at the super team thing. And, you know, now he's in Brooklyn and it's kind of kind of forgotten. You know, no one's really tarnishing Kevin Durant's legacy just because he's played on, you know, three or more teams. Um, <laughs> I think so, some 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 people are, but you're not. Well, some <laughs> some are. But in reality, his legacy, he's still going to be a Hall of Famer no matter what. Yeah, his legacy is sealed and cemented. Absolutely. Absolutely. And Dames, and like you said, Dames' uh, legacy is sealed and cemented as well. It's just that now we kind of we can kind of see where the rest of his career is going to go because we know exactly what he's working with in Portland right now. Yeah, absolutely. And just to, and we can we can finish up on this, but just something that I think bugged me personally about this quote is that I really feel like we've gotten away from the notion that there's only one type of leadership in the NBA and in professional sports and in all sports in general. You don't need to be the hard ass militant Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant. Uh, you don't need to be the maniacal yet gracious and caring Kevin Garnett. You can be Tim Duncan. You can be stoic. Uh, you can be Steph Curry. Um, and, and I just don't think there's a right or wrong way to do it. So when, so when Dame just keeps coming back to, you know, this is the way to lead. I know, like I, I'm Damian Lillard. I know the way to do it best. Um, again, I, I, I believe that. I, I believe that he believes that because, um, you know, that's, we, we've seen time and again, the Blazers have had a lot of success, um, since Dame has mm -hmm. been here. Um, so many young players have, have grown, uh, due to his influence and his teammates absolutely love him. Um, but, but lastly, yeah. I do want to throw in, not to cut you off. No, please. I do, I do think a lot of that um, heat is more pointed towards the likes of a Paul George, a Patrick Beverly, mm. guys that we know Dame always gets into it with every year, whether it's on social media or on the court. Um, some of these guys who have played on multiple Western Conference teams mm -hmm. uh, that Dame has to play against every year. I think a lot of that heat is for them, even though I'm sure that's how he really feels on the inside. But, you know, all year long, even especially during the season, we see these guys on social media going back and forth at each other. Um, and then, of course, on the court. So I think a lot of that is firepower aimed at them because, you know, like a Paul George, he's played on a few teams or Patrick Beverly's played on a few teams. And, you know, they, they have a lot to talk about when it comes to Dame. And they're not necessarily, you know, at his level or stature in that top 75 realm, in my opinion. That's interesting. Um, 
wow, all, all of a sudden I was about to get us onto a tangent about who would you rather have right now, Paul George or Damian Lillard. I don't know that we need to get into that. <laughs> we'll save that for another, another, time, <laughs> yeah. another time. No problem. We can save that for the doldrums of, uh, of August as we, as we actually run out of things to talk about here. Uh, but we are not running out of things to talk about today because the Blazers, because Summer League is over and the Blazers, um, you know, unless you're living under a rock here in Rip City, you would know that they are Las Vegas Summer League champs again. Again, and that is despite Shaden Sharp playing about five minutes in Las Vegas, just his initial stint before he suffered a small labral tear in his left shoulder while he was guarding Pistons rookie guard Jaden Ivey in transition. Just he kind of his little arm kind of got caught in there um, as he was mm-hmm. as he was reaching for the ball. Um, and the Blazers initially said he would be reevaluated in ten to fourteen days. We have not had an update since then. That was back on July seventh. Um, but considering he didn't initially go in for surgery, I do not think that this is a serious injury. And as, as far as I'm concerned, I expect to, I expect Sharp to be ready for training camp here at the end of September. Um, so unfortunately, not much to talk about with Shaden Sharp. Uh, I don't think we need to get into takeaways from you know his first competitive basketball, his first competitive five on five, and you know those those first few minutes he played as a pro. We don't need to do that. Um, but what we can talk about. Or, uh, or other players on the Blazers uh, championship summer league team. And the one I really want to start with, and you know, Blazers fans who were watching in Las Vegas will not be surprised, it's Jabari Walker, the Blazers' second-round pick out of Colorado, number 57, I believe it was, the second-to-last pick in the draft. He was absolutely awesome for the Blazers in summer league, 12.4 points, 9.0 rebounds per game, led the, led the team in rebounds per game. He shot 62.9% from the field and 42.9% from three on just below. I know, I know. And he looks looks like that type of shooter, too. Um, on just below three attempts per game. And Justice, because I love advanced stats, I just wanted to throw this one at you. He was fourth in Summer League wins above replacement, Summer League analytics. And that's from uh, ESPN's Kevin Pelton. So I just really, really liked what I saw with, what I saw from Jabari. I can get into what I liked about him. Uh, what did you see from him? Well, as we come to a close here, get close to coming to a close, not only uh, was I impressed with that young man's play, but there's three guys that stood out for me that – uh, were uh, two of course were on the team last year, and they're young guys. Uh, as the Blazers do have a mainly young core, mm-hmm. um, so along with Jabari, Keon Johnson yep. played phenomenal, in my opinion. Blazers got to hold on to him. I feel like he would be a great part of a core going into the future after or post Damian Lillard Portland team, uh, with an Anthony, uh, pardon me, Anthony Simons, mm-hmm. um, and even a uh. Uh, uh, whoever else will be there. Hopefully Jeremy Grant will still be uh, in Portland once uh, Dame is gone. And then, of course, also I have to throw in uh, our guy who you've been big on for a while now, uh, Trendon Watford. Uh, I got to add him. And matter of fact, one more, uh, Greg Brown III as well. Um, These guys, (laughs) I don't know if anybody going into Summer League had Portland uh, getting the first Summer League rings that they actually handed out this year in Mm -hmm. Vegas. I mean, uh, what I do like is that uh, these guys have more time on the court together during the summer, of course, and they're kind of getting their own nucleus going outside of a Dame, uh, Anthony, and mm-hmm. Jeremy Grant, guys who are more uh, veterans and kind of solidified in that starting five. I like that these guys who will be more rotation players, they're kind of getting their own groove together and got the groove so good that they won – you know, the summer league like that to me, that's fantastic. Those are the guys that stood out for me 
Um, I'm going to let you, you know, drool over Jabari for a second, but <laughs> I just had to get that out the way. No, I, li- I like what you said, though, uh, because I really do think you can build culture in, at Summer League. Um, you know, like, like Chauncey, Chauncey Billups wasn't the head coach. I believe it was Steve Hetzel was the summer league, was the summer league coach's uh, name. He's an assistant under Billups and, you know, Dame and, uh, Dame and Ant and Nasir Little and Yusuf Nurkic and Josh Hart. Uh, I believe Jeremy Grant was there as well. They came to a couple summer league games, but they were not there the whole time. Um, but after the Blazers won the summer league championship and, oh, you buried the lead a bit on Watford, by the way, summer league uh, championship game MVP. Trend in Watford. Right. Um, my mistake. My mistake. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you got to give him his flag. Unanimous. Unanimous, <laughs> by the way. Yeah, unanimous. The first ever. Um, right. Yeah, to get a ring. Um, you know, we saw Trend in Watford uh, call Damian Lillard on FaceTime um, to say, like, hey, mm-hmm. man, you know, we won. Uh, like, I, so again, I, I just, oh, sorry. It's my sister calling on FaceTime. That's um, actually uh, Damian Lillard calling Jack right now uh, <laughs> because he's connected like that. Yeah, calling to yell at me about uh, criticizing Dame's quote about leadership. <laughs> right. Um, but uh, so, no, I, I absolutely do think you can build culture um, over mm-hmm. the summer. And, you know, we saw that with just how together the Blazers played and how connected they were on both ends of the floor, specifically defensively. They were just flying around from the opening tip of Summer League in all five games. They were just awesome defensively, helping the helper, uh, you know, communicating. Uh, running, getting back in transition, just being really, really active. Um, so I was really impressed with that. And the linchpin of that defensive effort for me was, again, uh, Jabari Walker. I'm, ju- I'm just so impressed with him. Um, mm-hmm. la- last time we talked a couple weeks ago, Justice, we were mentioning how the Blazers would really be best off if you know they, they had a young guy force their way into the, into the Blazers' top seven or eight guys so Chauncey Billups could comfortably play nine guys during the regular season. And I think Jabari Walker is it. I honestly think he's more likely to get uh, consistent rotation it's this season than Trendon Watford. And that's mostly just based on the fact that he's a perfect connector um, offensively for what this team needs. As I said, uh, 43% from three um, in summer league. And of course that's a small sample size, but I just thought his mechanics looked great, especially for a bigger player. He was always ready to shoot. Um, he's a great cutter. He's constantly moving, trying to find areas of the floor uh, to make uh, to make himself available for passes and dump offs from teammates. Um, and then defensively, his instincts and his awareness, I just thought were fantastic. Um, there was this one specific one specific possession uh, where he was the low man and empty side PNR. He got an, he was early to contest on Jer- on Jericho Sims on the catch, and then he switched out to Quentin Grimes on a. On a pick and roll, he was beaten left by Quentin Grimes, but then Trenton Wofford came up and helped. And immediately as that happened, Jabari Walker peeled off and took Trenton Wofford's man at the rim and had a block. Um, so it's really, you know, those those type of nuanced, um, that, that type of nuanced decision making, you know, that, that processing speed is not something you see from many rookies. And we just saw from Jabari Walker on both sides of the ball. Um, I don't think he's a foolproof switch defender, but I do think he has good feet. He lacks a bit of initial quickness. Um, but again, I think he's he's very, very coordinated, and he's only 19, uh, the son of a longtime pro, Samaki Walker. He was more of a more of a center, whereas Jabari Walker projects as more of a power forward. Um, mm-hmm. He actually played with Watford in another big sometimes, and he was kind of positioned as the three, but I think that's more due to his shooting ability than uh, any, you know, Verve, he really has uh, off the dribble. I think he can attack closeouts with three or four dribbles, and he can rake and take a little bit. Um, we saw that. We saw that a bit where he'd advance the ball up the floor with just some hard charging dribbles, and then pass to a guard to create a uh, a uh, numbers advantage in transition. And then one of the other things I really, really liked about him is that he's an awesome rebounder, a long armed rebounder, really, really yeah. strong hands. He's high pointing the ball. Um, 
so yeah, I think the Blazers got an absolute steal at number 57. And it, uh, it seems like Joe Cronin agrees because the Blazers signed him to a three year, $4.8 million contract. So Jabari Walker is locked into a very, very, very team friendly deal here, uh, for the next three years before the Blazers will have restricted rights on him. And he's really exactly, exactly what Portland needed. I would not be surprised at all if we saw him get some, get some, uh, playing time early in the season at the four, whether whether that's next to Jeremy Grant playing the five, whether that's next to Yusuf Nurkic playing the five, perhaps even Trenton Watford, depending how deep Chauncey Billups wants to go into his bench. But um, I really do think that Jabari Walker will make an impact as a rookie. Uh, the, the per game numbers may not be great, but I think the Blazers will play good basketball on both ends of the floor um, when he's on it, which again, for a 19-year-old is just a really, really encouraging sign. Absolutely. And I agree with you. The Blazers got a steal uh, with Jabari Walker. And I'm just very uh, confident and optimistic uh, about this unit of these second year guys and Greg Brown, the third Keon Johnson um, and Trendon Watford. The fact that they gel so well away from uh, the normal starting five that we would see during the season. The fact that they were able to dominate in summer league like this uh, is impressive and it gives me hope for the season and even the post Damian Lillard uh, Portland Trailblazers. Uh, Dame just turned 32, uh, so still a young man, but uh, we do know that uh, that he'll only be a Blazer for so long um, until he either retires or um, you know makes a move to transition to another squad there. So I'm just glad to see that they have a great young core, especially because they're second-year guys. They know each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing how they perform uh, in the preseason. They played so well together uh, in summer league. I'd love to see how they mix uh, with some of the uh, main starters like a Dame and Jeremy um, and Nurk. Um, once we get closer to uh, the preseason and regular season there, uh, I think we will be uh, in for in for a good show. Yeah, I like how you're highlighting this young nucleus of Johnson, Walker, Watford, Brown. Uh, you can you know, maybe throw Brandon Williams in there if you want to. It's just certainly shade and sharp. Um, but this, you know, that, that young core, you know, who knows how many of them will hit as rotation players. I don't think it's a guarantee. Like, I'm not ready to 100% guarantee that Jabari Walker will, you know, eventually be a rotation player in the NBA. I would be pretty surprised if he's not at this point. And I think Trendon Watford could get there as well. Perhaps Keon Johnson. I'm a little less, a uh, little less confident about Greg Brown, just because as we've discussed ad nauseum, he's still just so raw out there. Um, but it is, but it is very impressive, especially considering these guys, you know, weren't on the team, um, but right before last year's draft, um, the Blazers just really didn't have any any young talent to dip, to dip into, and these guys aren't blue chip prospects, with the exception of sharp potentially. Um, but still, just when you have young, cost controlled players with potential. Um, it just it just allows front offices to be a little more creative in, t- in terms of how they build the roster and how they look to, you know, perhaps make consolidation trades and looking for an upgrade playing or trading two players for one because, you know, you have a young guy ready to step up. Um, and the Blazers have, you know, potentially several at, uh, at at multiple positions. So I think that's really, really encouraging. Um, and real quick note on Watford here. I, you know, was very, very impressed with him. Um, not quite not quite as much as I was with uh, Jabari Walker, um, mm-hmm. but. But for Watford, I uh, as as we said, summer league championship game MVP, nineteen point seven rebounds in that game, really really showed off his versatility. Hit multiple threes, was shooting it really really confidently, um, and he he needed to. He only shot twenty five percent from three in Las Vegas, which is obviously not what you wanted to see. It's uh, worse than he shot last season. But again, super super small sample size, and I actually thought his mechanics looked a little cleaner. But 
just in general, he just looked so, so confident as a ball handler and a driver. Uh, we saw him playing both sides of pick and roll, where sometimes he'd be the first man screening and like a double drag. Then other times he would, uh, you know, be operating as a, as a as a double drag ball handler himself. You know, sometimes he'd be the recipient of a dribble handoff. Other times he would be the one actually handing the ball off. Just that type of versatility is really, really important um, for a guy like Trendon Watford, who's, you know, probably a four. Um, and mm-hmm. isn't, isn't the most explosive. He's still working on his shot, but man, just the more comfortable he gets with his handle, um, the more we're going to see him create advantages and create extra looks, uh, you know, ex- extra looks, create good looks for his teammates because of the attention he can draw um, as a driver and all the different ways that Chauncey Billups can use him. So looking forward to see what happens with Trenton Wofford in the regular season. Again, I'm not ready to earmark him for rotation minutes. I would actually, like I said, um, I'd, I'd prefer if Chauncey Gloves went into the preseason with Jabari Walker just slightly ahead of Trenton Watford in the uh, rotation, then they can battle it out in training camp. Um, so that's certainly something for the Blazers to look forward to. Um, or Justice, do you have anything else about the Blazers uh, Summer League? Or should we seeg into just general Summer League thoughts here? Because I've got some. Oh, yeah. You know what? I was going to say uh, I have my last point here. I'll yeah. save that for after your uh, your Summer League points there. Well, I was thinking of you a little bit as I was watching Summer League because I know oh, you were boy. very, very high on Paolo Bancaro. <laughs> he looked awesome. He looked he looked everything everything you thought he would be from the number one pick in the draft. He's just at 6'10", 250 pounds, 19 years old. Mm. Really a playmaking prodigy at that size. We, you know, there just hasn't I'm trying to think of the last guy to come into the league anywhere near that size who's that comfortable with the ball, making plays for himself and his teammates. Um, you know, again, like, like Trenton Watford playing both sides of the pick and roll, but in the, you know, souped up, hyper athletic, hyper skilled, even, even bigger version of that type of player. Um, Very true. I just thought he looked great. I am, I am interested in seeing how he looks against uh, NBA competition just because the athleticism and size jump from summer league to the NBA is, is still huge. Not quite as big as the jump from college to summer league, probably, but it's still really big. Uh-huh. But regardless, I'm uh, very, 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 very high on Paolo, especially in terms of the impact he'll make as a rookie. Long term, you will not get me off the Chet Holmgren train, my friend. <laughs> I should have known. You will not do it. It's a, it, it is skinny. It's a very skinny train. It's long. Oh, it's skinny, all right. Very, very skinny. But man, uh, that guy is a true definition of the unicorn. Um, you know, in his in his first game out there, he like there were times where he was protecting the rim like Rudy Gobert and hitting pull up threes like Kevin Durant. Like, yeah, the first game, I'm uh, I'm with you. The first game was great. I did see a fall off, but I oh, will give ab- absolutely. And in the, the fall off, it was it was so in, it was enjoyable. Not it was enjoyable to watch. Not uh, not because I was rooting for Chet to fail, but just because in their second game, uh, the Thunder played the Memphis Grizzlies, who they had this guy named Kenneth Lofton Jr., who was actually a, a teammate of. Uh, of Chet's on the Team USA under 19 team, who weighs, who's like 6'5, 6'6, 275 pounds, maybe. Another steal, another steal. Yeah, just an absolute bowling ball. And he just dominated Chet, getting into Chet's body. Um, mm-hmm. Really, really posed some problems for Chet defensively that he'll have to deal with in the, in the NBA. But just in general, uh, Chet's intersection of length, uh, ball handling ability, shooting ability, and then just the way he protects the rim and the way he, uh, you know, assesses the game defensively. I just think he has a very, very high floor, and I think that ceiling is even higher than I thought it was too, considering he's already doing things like running pick and roll. 
Um, so yeah, I'm uh, very, very high on very, very high on Chet Holmgren. Also liked what I saw from Jalen Williams, the wing from Oklahoma City. Not to be confused with Jalen Williams, the big, who I uh, all, who also I'm high on, but uh, mm-hmm. we're higher on Jalen Williams, the wing. Um, anything else you wanted to you wanted to say about summer league before we get out of here? Now that I've uh, exhausted at <laughs> home. Uh, yeah, we all knew you were on the Chet train. Like I said, I'll give him his props. Great first game. Um, he definitely has potential, and we'll see uh, how he looks going into the preseason and the regular season. Hopefully, he'll eat some uh, food this summer and maybe put on a couple pounds of, of muscle there. Uh, very impressed and disappointed uh, in my viewership and viewing of Mac McClung. Very impressed because uh, that kid is dynamic. And I think he's going to be a great fit for the Warriors. I think he's going to have a Jordan Poole type of uh, impact going into this next season. Um, uh, disappointed, disappointed, however, because uh, the Lakers had him and we, for some reason, didn't see that potential. And uh, Mac McClung just every night had a, a highlight reel, whether it was a crazy reverse layup or a crossover or uh, you know some type of baseline drive. Um, so, yeah, as a, as a lifelong Laker fan, that – that sucks to see, but you know he had a great summer league as well. Um, wow! So I I like Mac McClung. I watched a lot of Warriors summer league because uh, I was interested in seeing what Moody and Kaminga and then Wiseman he was healthy uh, how, <laughs> how how they were going to play. I do not think Mac McClung is an NBA player. I think summer league is the perfect venue for a guy like Mac McClung to show out. It was very fun watching him. Um, but you know, just what we should actually ask you about the Lakers rather than talk about uh, them losing <laughs> Mac McClung to the Santa Cruz Warriors team, uh-huh. is what's going on with Russell Westbrook? What's yeah? What's going on? That's yeah. That statement from his uh, from his agent, I believe Thad Foucher, Fauche. I'm not sure how to pronounce his name. Oh boy, sorry. That was unlike anything I've ever seen in the NBA. Completely unprecedented. And uh, you know, the writing seems on the wall for Russ's departure from the Lakers. It's just whether or not it's going to come via trade, likely to Brooklyn for Kyrie Irving, if the Lakers will throw in an additional first round pick, or if it's just going to be a buyout. At this point, I cannot see him returning to the Lakers next season. Can you? Yeah, no, uh, that definitely was not a good sign. Um, I don't know what's going on there, but clearly there's some turmoil uh, between uh, Russ and his now former agent. Mm-hmm. Um, and we saw a lot of uh, NBA players and agents comment on that uh, via social media. Uh, so it's not good. It's not good. Uh, if I'm the Lakers, you know, I'm doing whatever you can to get rid of Russ. Um, I'm not saying he's a cancer, but it seems like he doesn't want to be there. And you would think, you know, with a brand new coach um, in Darvin Ham that, you know, as a as a as a player, especially a point guard, you know, you want to give that coach a shot. You know, you mm-hmm. want to give him a chance to at least see what he's going to do with uh, uh, with what you guys are going to do on the floor and how the offense is going to run and flow. Um, and it doesn't seem like Russ is open to that. I don't know if he's just being, uh, you know, hard headed or if he's a little cold hearted right now, but. Um, I mean, even his presence at the uh, press conference for Darvin Ham uh, when they introduced him as the new Lakers head coach just seemed a little eerie. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know what's going on with the Russ. Um, I'm over it. Uh, honestly, <laughs> I, I, I would love to have Kyrie or anybody else that may fit well for us um, because, yeah, with the Russ, it's definitely not going to work out. And, uh, yeah, just, we're just going to have to see how it plays out, I guess. Just pluck Mac McClung from the Warriors Summer League team, starting point guard for the Los Angeles Lakers. Buy out Russell Westbrook, no problem. 
there's that sarcasm that we all love, and uh, yeah, that's that's what makes you you. <laughs> let me ask you. Let me ask you one thing. So reports right. reports are that the Brooklyn Nets are hesitant, uh, hesitant, not not hesitant. Is that they will not trade Kyrie Irving for Russell Westbrook unless the Lakers include not just a 2027 first round pick, but also a 2029 first round pick. As a Lakers fan, do you want them to include both of those picks for Kyrie Irving? Absolutely. Uh, I think for Lakers right now, uh, we need to win now um, with LeBron, like kind of like we talked about with Dame. Uh, LeBron is even older than Dame, closer yeah. to 40. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we need to win now. We can't wait. Uh, LeBron, of course, still looks great. Uh, like he's almost in, still in his prime. But of course, you know, a lot more uh, wear and tear on those knees and, mm-hmm. and his entire body as a whole. Um, yeah, we got to win now. So whatever it takes to uh, get us towards the top of the, those Western Conference uh, uh, rankings going into the season, that's what we need because uh, as healthy as LeBron looks, we know it's not going to last forever. And, you know, my mentality is, you know, we'll deal with post-LeBron Lakers and post-AD you know, AD Lakers when we get there. I, I think what we have now is we have a good foundation. We have a great brand-new head coach who has potential. You know, let's just play, you know, balls to the wall now. Let's try to see what we can do at this moment in time um, because we know uh, our time with, you know, possibly one of the greatest players ever uh, is limited just due to, you know, uh, age and father time. Exactly. You have the first or second best player of all time on your team. He's somehow still playing at an elite top five, six, perhaps even better in the playoffs if he's healthy level. Um, mm-hmm. I, I just don't know why you're not doing everything you possibly can to maximize that, especially because you're the Los Angeles Lakers and you're not building through the draft anyway. The Lakers, right. the Lakers' big additions have always come via trade or free agency. I realize being being out first-round picks in the future makes that flexibility a little harder to come by, especially via trade. But again, you have LeBron James and Anthony Davis right now. Those two are capable of winning a title with the right pieces around them. We just saw it less than two years ago. Um, exactly. So yes, the Lakers have to put both of those first-round picks in. Okay, this is a Blazers podcast. They probably won't like us talking about the Lakers, and I need to turn on the AC because I'm officially full-body sweat. That's not yes. that's not sarcasm, Justice. No. Oh, yeah, I believe you. That's reality. That's what's happening right now. <laughs> so we need to get out of here. Tell the people where they can follow your work. Yes, uh, you can find me on social media, mainly on Twitter, at Justice Rogers TV. That's at J-U-S-T-U-S-R-O-G-E-R-S-T-V. Also on Instagram, mainly on Twitter. Uh, feel free to reach out. Last real quick point for those who are in either the state of Oregon or the Portland metro area, uh, Dame Lillard has his basketball camp this Mm -hmm. week. Uh, That is at the uh, YMCA in Beaverton. I believe that's going through Thursday. Um, That's at 9685 Southwest Harvest Court in Beaverton. Uh, So shout out to Dame for doing things in the community. Uh, Mm -hmm. He's going to be there for a while. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You can follow on all my work at Clutch Points. I'm on Twitter at uh, leave us a review on the podcast player if you like. We would really appreciate it. Other than that, we'll see you guys next week. Justice, thanks so much, Matt. Thanks so much, Jack. Right. All right.